0: The game's all about. All of a sudden,
1: you feel like you can't miss. Oh, I'm just oh, it up there.
0: You couldn't make that if you tried that again. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely not. Let's Let's go. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore, and I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by professional better Raheem Palmer. This is the Wednesday Workshop. We break down the Wednesday lines, fresh, hot out the oven. Get the early look, get all that good CLV that we can later feel great about when we lose the bets, but find some winners. Raheem always finds a way to get that edge. Everything we talk about today can be found in the Action Network app, the best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in, all of that in the award-winning Action Network app. Raheem, my man, what's good? We're like
0: tail in the first half of the NBA season. We've got the all-star break coming up, so we're going to try to get you some winners before we take a little break.
1: Yeah. This, this part of the season is tough for me. And I'm like trying to restrain myself, especially I'm going to keep going through next week with the trade deadline. But then that week before the all-star from like trade deadline until all star, I am going to take a break just because everybody gets that week before spring break week before summer break energy, where they're just checked out. Guys are checking in about vacation plans and they got family coming in or they're going to meet family. Um, before we, we get into the Wednesday bets, which I'm going to get to, you want to know my favorite story about All-Star break and players going on break? Ra- yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Rasheed Wallace, Sheen. okay? He was picked as an All-Star every year, and he started to slide off a little bit one year, okay? Started, started to finally slide a little bit, and it looked like he wasn't going to make it. And his wife had planned this, like, big vacation with uh, – their family, their kids, and her family, and everybody was going. And then, like, there started to be noise about him picking up steam. And she was, like, actually in the media being like, Do not vote for me. Do not vote for me. I do not want to go. I have a trip. I do not want to get in trouble with my wife. Somebody got injured and she got picked for the All Star game. And that's hilarious. That's my favorite Rasheed Wallace All Star story. All right. We're going to break down the Wednesday Beth in the workshop. So, what we do here is, This is about the process of of betting the NBA night. Like we go into the details on what Raheem's model says. I'll give you what my numbers have. We'll break down all the factors, injuries, what guys are worth to the spread, et cetera, to come out with the best process for picking these games. Raheem, let's start off. You, this is a tough slate. You you said up front, like this is a tough slate. You've got one for the night. What's your one best bet? And then we'll get to some I want to talk about.
0: I'm going with the Los Angeles Lakers, minus three. They're starting to play a little bit better. And, look, you saw them short-handed against the Charlotte Hornets. You saw them without LeBron James against the Atlanta Hawks. They fought back in that game against the Hornets on a on a tough back-to-back after playing the Sixers. They played the Hawks really tough. actually had a, a pretty big lead. And they're playing this Portland Trail Blazers team that really doesn't have any wings at all. When you look at the Lakers, they're actually playing a little bit better than – the Portland Trailblazers on a point per possession. When you look at like how they played the last couple of weeks, I like this matchup from a standpoint that they should be able to get out in transition and really be able to score effectively. When you look at the the Lakers, they're eighth in points per possession in transition. The Portland Trailblazers are just twenty third in transition. When you look at the the Portland Trailblazers defense in half court, they're dead last in half court defense. So. I think if you have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis out there, they're going to be able to do some damage. And this might sound counterintuitive, but I think Russell Westbrook is going to play better without LeBron James out there. I think he's a very ball-dominant player, and he needs the ball in his hands. And when you look at what he did the last game against the Atlanta Hawks, 8 for 15, 20 points, 12 assists he played just as well against the Hornets and against the Sixers. So I think him and AD can find something and I think they can win this game coming off the road trip.
1: Yeah. I've got this at seven and a half on matchup and 5.7 on um, power rating. I think the question is like, all right, that's a full strength numbers. What's LeBron worth to the number, right? How much, how, when you're trying to factor this in, how much do you kind of put, LeBron at? Like, what, what's the number that you want to assign him? At? Three, four points. I mean, it's about as big as
0: anybody else in the league. Right. So I think that's only fair. I still think he's one of the best players in the league. And so I think you got to make him that. But I think in this spot
1: here, I think the three is short. It's right on like the edge for me, right? Where it's like, especially if this moves to three and a half, which the Lakers are a public team. You know, I don't, I don't know how much money they're getting right now, especially without LeBron, but if it goes the other way, I'll definitely be on it. I think at three, I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, so this is like a four and a half. It's like a four to four and a half point differential based off of LeBron. The only confusing part there is the, the, is the, the Blazers numbers are impacted by the time that they spent with that Dame and CJ too. Right. So like CJ's impact is, is key here. Anthony Simons had a really bad game last night. I expect him to kind of bounce back. Ooh, like, This is brave. Like, I like the spot, right, where you you are betting the Lakers in the one spot where I think no one's on them. Like, no one should be on the Lakers. An explosive offensive team. They can't get stops. They're at home, so it's a good spot there. They lost four out of five. And,
0: I mean, the end of the road trip was pretty rough. They had a day off. Actually, they had a couple days off. So, I just think this is the perfect spot. If I'm going to play the Lakers in any spot, it's got to be here.
1: Yeah, it's got to be there. Okay, so let's put the Lakers minus three on the card. Mm-hmm. What I want to talk to you about? I think it's just to kind of go over these numbers because these are ones I'm looking at. I haven't made a decision yet. Might get to a decision here. Knicks are only two and a half point dogs at home to the Grizzlies, which is really surprising to me. Like Memphis has gotten a lot of respect in the market recently, and now all of a sudden it's it's not a back-to-back. They're they having a night off it's new york nightlife but that's usually not as big of an impact. I've got this at 7.3 on matchup. Like I do have it on power rating I'll say with the Knicks as uh, actually slight favorites because the Grizzlies project so badly with that half court offense. But the the Grizzlies so can so constantly take advantage of their transition advantage here. I have a hard time seeing New York being able to keep up with how good the Grizzlies defense has been, like do we have any reason to to understand why this number is only two and a half?
0: The model actually makes it two point nine so it is a little strange to me like I, I i'm I'm not understanding why my model is is capturing that, but I'm probably struggling with it too but i I think you mentioned the Grizzlies half court offense. It is pretty bad. I also think when, I think the Grizzlies' power rating has slipped a little bit. With Kyle Anderson being out, they've been playing Zaire Williams a ton, and he hasn't been good at all. Like he's, And I know John Morant went to him with the game on the line on Monday night, but he's not a guy I really want to see getting big minutes. I mean, when you look at the offense, they're 2.8 points worse per 100 possessions with him on the floor, and the defense is also around 3.5 points per one of possessions with him on the floor. So
1: yeah, I've actually got the Knicks a little ahead in half court offense because they're the Grizzlies half court offense is bad. And you saw that in that law in that loss to the Sixers, which you were at the other night um, Mm -hmm. in Philly that like, they just could not get buckets in the half court offense. But that continues to be an issue that I'm, we're going to be tracking. Like that's going to be a thing in the playoffs, like all of this, that's going to be a continuing narrative is whether or not Memphis can find those kind of points, given their situation, um, I think one of the issues here I do have is like, look, I've got the the Grizzlies with this huge transition edge based off of per possession, okay? So when the Knicks allow you to run, teams can st- score really well on the Knicks. They're, they are uh, 29th, no, 27th, sorry, 27th in transition defense per possession. But when we look at them in terms of how, okay, how many points do they actually give up in fast break? That number drops a lot. They're actually only 13th in transition points allowed fast break points allowed per NBA.com. So the difference here, this is like where I can't get to Memphis wins games when they can control the pace, when they are the ones running and hitting you, They got all those weapons and jaws get into the rim over and over and over and over and over again, there's a huge edge for them. But when teams can slow them down, it hits a little bit of a break. The Knicks aren't great at slowing teams down. And when you get out, you can score on them. But I don't know how to kind of like, I don't know how to get the edge on on that based off of this number. Like it's a weird number. I do kind of think that I'm probably going to be on Memphis just because they've exceeded. And plus like the Knicks are a half decent team and the Grizzlies have been very good versus half decent teams coming off of a loss. That seems like a, a a fairly good spot. Let me see what they're at uh, ATS after a loss this season, because I I want to know mm-hmm. that. Like I want to know how Memphis responds when they've lost games. Eleven and mm-hmm. six at sixty five percent ATS this season.
0: Anyway, I think one thing. One thing we got to point out with the Memphis Grizzlies is they were six for thirty from three against yep. Philadelphia, so they just couldn't hit this. They couldn't hit anything. I think the Knicks perimeter defense it does leave a lot to be desired. So I think when you look at the Knicks perimeter. Where are they at? Um, they're still allowing the third most three-point attempts. Yeah. And I mean, the Grizzlies aren't shooting a time, but guys yeah. like Man can hit them. So,
1: yeah, all right. I'm. At, let's say lean Memphis, and I'll figure out what, where I want to go at with it tomorrow. What do you think about that total? Because I actually make it 211,
0: and I yeah, think if, I got the, if the Grizzlies if the Grizzlies can't push the pace, yeah, that that might be a good under.
1: Yeah, that might be the one, right? Is like this just turns into more of a slug fest and both, like the Grizzly defense has been good. So it turns more into like a grind. I could see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I might play the under on that. Uh, speaking of unders, wrote this one up for the New York Post tomorrow. We got a, a content deal with them. Uh, I'm on the Mavericks Thunder under. So I almost played Mavericks minus 10 and a half. I do make this larger, but then I just was like, you know, without Porzingis, I, I don't want to go, I don't want to lay double digits. The The Mavericks are two and three this season as a double digit favorite. I They're not in that national TV spot, which we've talked about, right? Like big, big games at home for the Mavericks. We found this season to be kind of an edge spot, but this is the opposite of that. This is the thunder. However, what I did notice was that the thunder this season, this is per Clay in the glass, they average, they are 30th in offensive rating versus top 10 defensive teams. Mavericks are fifth Mavericks take the second longest on offense in terms of seconds per possession, the thunder force you to take up the fifth most. So they, they, they work hard and make you go to secondary options. Right. And it it puts it in context of, of course, the thunder beat the blazers, the blazers can't get stops, So this bad thunder offense, they can get stops. The other team can't and that, guy, that got them ahead as well as Anthony Simons having a terrible night, right? But versus the Mavericks, even without Porzingis, this team has proved, and like, no Porzingis, no THJ. like Those are both downgrades, I think, for the Mavericks, but as a team, they've defended really well. I don't have any reason to think that the Thunder are going to have a big offensive night. The total is only 207, but that was enough for me to get there. I've got all at 196. That's probably conservative. Like, I wouldn't play this below, like, I, I like it at 207. I don't want it at 205.
0: Yeah, I, I like this one. I have it at um, 198. Yep. And, I mean, look, we could talk about the, the Oklahoma City Thunder's offensive struggles all day. And I think they're, they're dead last in offensive rating. And over the last two weeks, they've been playing some really good defense. I think over the last two weeks, they're third in defensive rating. And when you look at the Mavericks, they're fifth in defensive rating for the season. The last two weeks' defensive metrics aren't that great. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they played go to state and they gave up all those points. But before that, they were the number one defensive team in the league from for much of January. So I really like this one. We all know that the Mavericks, they kind of they play a slow pace with, with Luca. He's just slowing down
1: possession. They're 28th
0: in, in pace. So this is a good one.
1: Another one we talked about before the show that I want to get into, uh Cavaliers, because this is this is that rest spot that we're always talking about. Um, Cavaliers are on the road versus the Houston Rockets third and four nights for the Cavs, not a third and four nights back to back, but they had the back to back. They're off tonight as we're recording this on Tuesday. They play Wednesday versus the Rockets. No Darius Garland. And oh boy, was their offense a mess versus the Pelicans without a point guard. Like no Rubio, no Sexton, no Garland. They needed Brandon Goodwin to like step up and play heavy minutes, and he was good versus the Pelicans. The Rockets' defense is worse, so here, here's where I'm at on it. The lines five, okay? It's it's Cavs minus five on the road. I've got it at nine full strength for the Cavs. I can't get to a place where I think that Darius Garland's worth four points of the spread, right? Like, yeah, there's no scenario where that where that's the case. Power rating, I I have even higher at ten point six, which is predictable given how good they've been. So I show a pretty significant edge here to Cleveland. Even if I take out, if I, if I take Garland, you can't give him three points, right? Even with the cluster injuries, at point guard, that's gotta be worth like two and a half at most Darius Garland's two and a half, probably two. So we're looking at like a seven point line with Garland out on my model versus a five point line on the spread. So I, I, But it's a three and four nights with not a back-to-back. Give me some guidance here.
0: I think all signs point to Cleveland. The Rockets are 30th in transition defense. They're 28th in the half court. And then more importantly, this is the Cleveland Cavaliers team, which is big, and they score in the paint. The Rockets are 28th in field goal percentage at the rim. So I think Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, like hey, Kevin Love, like I think their front court can have a big day. To me, unless the Rockets get hot from three, I think this is a game in which the, the Cavs defense could possibly win and, and cover
1: this one. I make it eleven, and I I think five is a little, a little low for this one. Cavs last two weeks are twenty six in offensive rating at clean the glass. They just they're they're offensive, but they're still fourth in defense. Like they're still figuring out how to get that done. Here, let me look at this one up on cleaning the glass because I think this is a, a really important number. I'm looking up how you, same with the Thunder, right? How do you perform versus a top 10 offense or a top 10 defense rather? Okay, yeah, we, we got to play Cleveland. Houston is 0-17 and 17 straight up versus top 10 defenses this season with the 30th ranked minus 7.3 spread differential versus top 10 defenses. They are literally the worst team in the league versus top 10 defenses in point differential. um, They're 30th at minus 18.2. They lose by 18.2 points per hundred possessions versus top 10 defenses. So the Cavs are going on the card that Darius Garland cannot be worth that many points. I'm willing to get burned by Christian Wood and Eric Gordon showcasing himself for a trade. Um, one more before we get out of here that I want to hitch up on is this is a real tricky one, I think as well. It's Celt, it's Hornets Celtics. So the line is five totals two twenty three. It's it's Boston minus five. Here's what's, what's kind of interesting. I've got matchup and this, I made some adjustments to try and normalize this a little bit and it's, it's looking a little bit tighter. I've still got Hornets favored in this matchup. Even on the road, even with, with no Gordon Hayward. So that's the question, right? Is okay. I think Hayward is probably for the, for the Hornets, not only the most important player to a, a, on the spread. I think that his, his probably impact on that spread is higher than most, right? So a player of his caliber, we're looking at a point and a half, maybe two. I think with the Hornets, it, it, I, I think it pushes it closer to two and a half or three, like 2.75 is maybe where I would get to on that. Like that's how I'm. There, the difference in how the Hornets look and how they execute with and without Hayward is so wide. So, but even then, that still gets me on matchup to only, you know, about a Hornets minus one. Now, Boston's mm-hmm. been much better as of late. They've just been a lot better. And the big edge here is in transition, where it's similar to that Knicks game, right? Where the Celtics don't give up as many points in transition overall, but they give up a lot per possession. And so I've got the Hornets with this big edge of about 11 points in uh, transition offense versus the Celtics with a big edge of six points in half court. Boston's been much better. They've been more reliable. They seem like they've turned a corner. Where are you at on Hornets-Celtics?
0: Yeah, I I make this game 5.2, which is right where the market is. But I do think the Hayward loss is, is really really huge for this team. Actually, these two teams played I think on Wednesday, January nineteenth, so this is a, a revenge spot. That was actually the first time the Hornets had won in in, in Boston Garden. It's been a while. I, I remember Miles Bridges saying he had never won in that that building. I think Terry Rozier had said he'd never beaten Celtics. So I mean, obviously he was with the Celtics. So this is a, this is a revenge spot for the Celtics. I don't know how much I don't know how you quantify that, but like you said. I think the Hornets have to pretty much get out in transition. And I think that's where their strength is in this matchup. They also have a little edge in the half court, but I don't know. I, there's something about the Hornets in this spot that just feels off. And I think if I was leaning one way, I, w- I would take the Celtics, but I don't have anything definitive on it yet. Yeah,
1: I think I'm going to pass on this one. If it moves towards mm-hmm. if it moves towards Charlotte, no, even now, I'm staying away. I'm not going to fade the market. Uh, I'm just going to mm-hmm. stay away from this one. That's a good thank you for t- for, for talking me through that. That is what I needed mm-hmm. to hear. So with the plays that we like are Raheem likes Lakers minus three. We both like Cavs minus five. We like Thunder Mavs under 207. And we lean a little bit towards Grizz with a stronger lean towards Grizz Knicks under for that game as well. Sound like a good slate? Yeah. That's a, I mean, shoot. I feel so much better about it. <laughs> After After let do the show. Then- it's so good. <laughs> Um, one thing I will say is, do you have a line out for, for the, there's no line out for the jazz game on your screen yet either. Is there? Yeah, there's no line at okay, all. So the, we're we're recording this on Tuesday night. We do uh, Tuesday and Thursday at seven o'clock Eastern. You can catch the show on YouTube. So the nuggets haven't played, so they're not going to update it, especially because Jokic was questionable. He will play as we're recording this on Tuesday night. There's a possibility they arrest him on the back to back. I will tell you that I expect him to play. I expect Jokic to play in both games of the back to back. He shouldn't, but I expect him to play. If Jokic plays, and there is, and this line is anything that is like even on the road on a back to back, the nuggets better be like minus two and a half. Uh, Anything uh, otherwise, and I'm I'm playing nuggets. Like I'm the and they're going to be dogs in this spot. If Jokic plays, I am absolutely playing Denver. Because they are with Jokic, they are one and a half point dogs in Minnesota. So the power rating is absolutely going to put them as significant dogs tomorrow on a back-to-back versus the Jazz. If go with if Gobert, that's the other thing. Gobert like sh- didn't practice but shot around today. So hmm. this is one that you absolutely have to wait for the injury report on. You cannot like project this. You got to wait and make sure because it's not like one of the sometimes I'll do bets where I'm like, okay. I think this guy's going to play, and even if he doesn't, I still like the number okay. like I still feel like I can get this, and if he plays, I think I have a significant edge. Yeah, There's no edge if Jokic doesn't play, and there's no edge if Gobert does. So even if Jokic plays, and but if Gobert plays, it's a no play. But if Gobert's out and Jokic is in, I absolutely want to take Nuggets here. Um, at do, do we, know, better we than Do team.
0: we know for sure that um, Donovan Mitchell's going to play? Because I know he, he's been sitting out with a concussion. He didn't play on Sunday.
1: He's still questionable. He's still working his way out of protocol. Okay. So that's another one.
0: I'm almost at the point of saying that if Mitchell doesn't play and Gobert and Jokic play, I would kind of lean towards the Nuggets. I, I think the Jazz are really like at a tailspin right now. And you, you're missing Joe Ingles and Mitchell. I, just, I think these two teams are probably
1: equal in that situation. Full season, what do you have this projected at? Jazz minus five. Okay. I've got it on um, power rating, which is the closest I can get to to like a more conservative estimate. I've got it 7.4. So let's take yours mm-hmm. though. Let's say five. Okay. Yeah. Gobert Mitchell, that's probably five points to six, right? On the spread. Mm-hmm. If it's neither one of them and you still are getting nuggets minus one, I'm still playing nuggets there. If Jokic yeah. plays. Mm-hmm. Um, if Gobert is out but Mitchell plays, that's probably a full three points. So that moves it to two i still want denver at plus two the only thing i don't want is i don't want denver at anything i don't want denver at anything bigger than like i'll even say this if denver is minus two or or longer i don't want them anything else i'm gonna be on denver i definitely don't want to lay points with denver in this situation right right on the road back to back etc all right let's gonna wrap it up for the workshop thanks for joining us our thanks to giver gould our producer for getting us started on the YouTubes. Our thanks to Dan Titus, our podcast producer, for putting this in the old feeds. You can subscribe to Buckets. Make sure to download in your podcast app. Give us those five-star reviews. Go to the Action Network YouTube page. Like, subscribe, and sign up for notifications. You get all of our great shows, our live streaming shows, including the Tuesday and Wednesday workshops for the following day. We'll be back tomorrow night, Wednesday night at 7 Eastern with another live show on YouTube. Thanks for joining us. For Professional Better, Raheem Palmer. I'm Matt Moore from the Action Network. Thanks for joining us. Let's get buckets.